What up, my homies? Today is Tuesday, December 13th. I am recording on Monday, December 12th. About an hour and some change out from the kickoff of Monday Night Football. We're looking at the Cardinals and the Patriots. Potentially some big fantasy implications. And by that, I mean, like, for me and both of my leagues. My name is Coley Rudd. I am here with my dog, Harper. Harp. Speak. Harper, speak. Harper, speak. Uh, okay. It appears she just thinks that um, the microphone is a toy and she was just trying to lick it instead. So Harper is here. You might hear her chewing on her toy in the background. Got quite the slate today. I apologize for missing last week, but that just means that today has double the fun. I will kick it off today with the underdog, hungry dog, woof, woof of the week. I will recap conference championship weekend in college football and then kind of take it a step further and we're going to go bowling Talk a little bit about some of the bowl games that are coming up and how much I absolutely adore bowl season. Sad Girl Hours is a fun one for me today, except they're all kind of fun, but I guess some are more fun than others. And then close out with the absolutely awful segment of Fantasy Studs. If you've been following this podcast, you know I'm really bad at predicting who the top scorers in fantasy are going to be, but I continue to do it for the entertainment purposes of my listeners and in the hopes that I'll get better at it, but I probably won't on this day in sports. Let's see. I've got, I've got a lot pulled up here. Let's see what would be fun to share. Uh, on this date in 1997, the 63rd Heisman trophy award went to Charles Woodson, Michigan, uh, out of, uh, excuse me, a cornerback, out of Michigan, there's lots of Heisman trophies on this date. Let's see. Let's find some relevant ones. Here we go. 76 Heisman Trophy in 2010 went to Cam Newton on this day. 2014, the trophy went to Marcus Mariota from Oregon. And these are all guys that are still in the league. 2015, the 81st Heisman Trophy Award went to Derrick Henry. And that seems to be it. I guess this is a relevant, obviously a relevant time of year for the Heisman Trophy yesterday, Caleb. Or not yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. Caleb Williams just recently was crowned the Heisman winner for this season. Um, so this time of year is obviously when the Heisman Trophy is usually crowned. So that's why that's probably a significant thing that we've seen on this day in sports. Anyway, this is officially episode five I'm glad you're here. Here comes my corny intro song. Sit tight, everybody.
Wolf, 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 wolf. You guessed it right, ladies and gentlemen. I, just as I always do, am going to kick off the week, uh, kick off the episode, excuse me, with the underdog, hungry dog of the week. Wolf, wolf. Lots of good NBA action. Uh, 18 out of 50 NBA games that were played last week were won by the dog. That was a that was 36% dog success rate. In the NHL, it was 19 out of 51 games, so a 37.2% success rate. Woof, 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 woof. NFL was really fun Thursday and yesterday as well. If you, if you watch, there were some really, really, really fun games. I mean, Thursday right off the bat was a fun one. Jaguars beat up on the Texans. That wasn't a close game. That was a rather significant dog victory where really wasn't close at any point. Carolina Panthers beat the Seattle Seahawks, and it's really – I can't believe this, but I, I'm saying it on Monday, December 12th, 2022, the Carolina Panthers are actually, believe it or not, in the driver's seat to make the playoffs. They, I believe they still have quite a few divisional games left to play. That division is really just crap. And, I mean, the Seahawks, they're a a good team. They start off the season strong. They're not great. But the fact that the Panthers beat them, um... I actually think they have a shot. That division is terrible. Uh, Really, it's anybody's game right now, so I guess you could say anybody in the division could do that. But 30-24 to was the final score there. The Panthers put up 30 points with Sam Darnold as their quarterback. That is is crazy. Um, And then the last NFL upset was the Chargers over the Dolphins. So the Dolphins were three-point favorites. Chargers ended up winning that game 23-17. to uh, I think people are starting to, to game plan a little bit better for Tua, finding a way to get pressure to him, and he just, you know, hasn't been hasn't been quite as good these last two games, but still in a playoff spot. I still think they'll make it in the playoffs. They'll iron out some of these kinks and, and figure it out, but Chargers were, were dogs uh, that won that game. Uh, and then the World Cup, two out of the eight games that were played last week, we're won by the dog, 25% success rate there for the dog. Woof, woof. Uh, the two dogs at one was Croatia over Brazil, so that was fantastic. That was one on penalty kicks. Uh, tough way for Brazil to go down, but you on this podcast, I love a good hunger dog, underdog, and makes for a great story. And it's just it's just so much easier to root for the dog, right? Right? Like I would have never at any point in this World Cup root for Brazil. I'm not rooting for Argentina because I just, I just want the dog to win. I think I'm all in on Morocco now. Let's go Morocco. Let's go Croatia. I don't want to support the French, so I'm not Mor- Morocco and Croatia. Let's go, baby. Now I don't really have anything against Argentina. I just they're heavy favorites and. This is an underdog podcast. Underdog podcast. Woof, 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 woof. Anyway, in all of sports, so there was 121 games. And when I say all of sports, I mean the ones that I just mentioned. There was a lot of college basketball games. There was some college football, really just Army-Navy. Um, but 
the this total that I'm referring to is NBA, NHL, NFL, World Cup combined. There was 121 games played. The dog won 44 of those 121 games for a success success rate of 36.4%. That's roughly the percentage that I'm seeing just about every week of dog wins. So um, every time I go in and do this and start checking out scores and who won what and who was the favorite, I get I get real excited. I'm like, this is the week. This is the week the dog is going to have a 50% success rate. And then something goofy flips that script. Um, this week, it was soccer a little bit. Um, yeah, mostly just soccer. But the dog of the week, the underdog, hungry dog of the week, when I don't eat breakfast, I'm fucking pissed off too, is the Los Angeles Rams. And specifically, really, I mean, the Rams won the game, whatever, they're dogs. But really, Baker Mayfield is the dog. He is the dog. In my previous four episodes, I didn't pick a specific player. It was more of a team. But this Baker Mayfield story might be arguably one of the coolest things in in football that has happened this, this year, really in the last couple years. I'm sure anyone who follows football and is listening to this podcast knows a little bit about what's happened with Baker Mayfield's career over the last year. If you don't, just a little bit of background. Baker played for the Browns, was drafted by the Browns in 2016, 17. I don't have that date off. No, it wasn't 17. Maybe it was even 18, somewhere in there. Drafted by the Browns. He was a Heisman Trophy winner out of Oklahoma. Browns have a few good seasons. Aren't quite what I think they wanted to be with um, this number one overall Heisman pick quarterback. So this past year in the offseason, kind of sneakishly, I believe, without Baker really knowing, make a deal to trade for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson comes to the Browns organization and then Baker's released or traded something. I don't remember exactly how they severed from Baker, but Baker was no longer with the Cleveland Browns. Carolina Panthers pick him up. He gets hurt. He comes back, doesn't play great. He's benched for Sam Darnold, and then he's he's released. Rams at the time were, were dealing with some turmoil at the quarterback position as well. Matthew Stafford, they're... Uh, you know, veteran quarterback, won them a Super Bowl last year, goes down with a spinal cord injury. They've got John Wolford, the backup, but need a quarterback. So they go out and they pick up Baker Mayfield literally last Tuesday. So today's Monday. When you listen to this, it might be Tuesday, it might be later. Basically, they picked him up a week ago to the date with a Thursday night game on the calendar next. So, one, Baker's living – Somewhere near Charlotte, North Carolina, because that's where the Carolina Panthers play at the time. Is signed by a team literally across the nation. So has to get on a plane, fly to L.A. And not only that, has to potentially be prepared to play on Thursday. I don't think there was any 
promise or guarantee that Baker was going to play or expectation that he had to be ready to play by Thursday. But there was obviously a game on the schedule that Baker knew his team was was going to play. So equate this to real life, right? If you, I mean, not that that wasn't real life, but I'm just saying the, the ordinary person so that you can kind of understand the extent of what exactly has happened here. Traditionally, if you get a new job, I actually just relocated for a job back in February. I was offered the job and then essentially was given, you know, any amount of time that I needed to relocate uh, to, yeah, to relocate, to move, et cetera, before I could start. So by the time I worked my final two weeks at my old job, got my stuff together, moved down, find somewhere to stay. That was like a four-week span, and I still felt like that might not have been enough time. I don't have a lot of things. I was able to just pack up my truck and and go. Uh, Thankfully, it was only a 10-hour distance I was moving to by car, so I was able to do that, but that was still a lot of time, a lot of energy. Now, Baker is literally having to move all the way across the country and start work in two days. Now, granted, I'm sure he didn't take, he hasn't moved all of his things out there, and that might be something that he's just going to hold off on doing until the season's over. But he flew out to L.A., probably doesn't have a place to live. I imagine was probably staying at a, a hotel or something for those first two nights. Not only that, but he has to know the ins and outs of his job, essentially, Maybe not every single piece, but a lot. He's got to know his coworkers. He's got to know his leader, his boss. He's got to know the ins and outs of the job description, the way things are done. And essentially, 36 hours, we'll give him. 48, maybe. That is absolutely insane. Then, not only does he do that, but he's thrown into the game. And he definitely, he was looking pretty rusty, for the most part, which understandably so, until about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then that's kind of when everything changed. And he led two drives in the final five minutes, maybe less, to score. Score is 16 to three, leads them on two touchdown, two touchdown drives. The second one, the game-winning one, started on his own two-yard line. It was a 98-yard drive to win the game with, I think there was maybe three seconds left. On 48 hours of looking at the playbook, getting to know his teammates, getting to know his coworkers, I could, I could not do that. That would be like someone saying, come in tomorrow, start a job, be the top sales rep in, in 48 hours and know everybody that you work with. Like, no one could possibly do that. It's impossible. But Baker made it look look easy. And not only did he make it look easy, like he won in dramatic, exciting fashion. It was just really cool. Happy for the guy. I'm actually rooting for him now. I don't know what's going on with Matt Stafford, but I think Baker and Sean McVay could could light the world up. If that works out, now, you know, time could... could really kind of correct this situation and maybe, you know, more time playing in this offense could expose Baker. This is still a really exciting story, and I'm really happy for the guy. So that's our underdog, hungry dog of the week. 
Woof, 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 woof. It's the Rams and Baker Mayfield. Way to go, Baker. All right, moving right along here. So two weeks ago, so not this past weekend, the weekend before was the college football conference championship games. I'm going to talk a, a little bit about those because it was just pure evidence as to why college football might be arguably one of the best things in the world. So it was kicked off right off the bat with Utah at USC for the Pac-12 title. USC blows a 17-3 lead. There were some plays that I know Caleb Williams just won the Heisman, but there was just like some not champion plays that I kind of noticed throughout. Uh, at one point, there was a point where he slid. There was a point where he was rushing and he slid. And to me, it kind of looked like he definitely could have outran the guy. I mean, I know they're telling quarterbacks to slide, but it's the, it's the Pac-12 championship. Like, throw it all out there. Not only that, but, like, you're playing for a chance to to play in the college football playoff. Like, you have to win that game to get in. Um, It looked like USC had all the momentum, and then it was like at the snap of your fingers, Utah's defense just just absolutely seizes it um, and really stopped USC and allowed their offense to tie it up going into the half. And there was some weird, again, some weird plays. What the fuck was that end of the first half kickoff? The guy literally laterals it almost into his own end zone. It was the most bizarre thing. He's lucky it didn't end end as bad as – or it could have ended way worse. Uh, Utah's defense after that moment when USC went up 17-3 to was really like all just absolute MVP, MVP caliber. Like everybody was stepping up, making plays, getting to Caleb Williams, making it hard for them to move the ball down the field. The Utah quarterback, Cameron Rising, he's a junior. He is a dog. He – he gets popped, like absolutely popped, like hit so hard his helmet flies off, and the dude gets up like literally almost on fire just with excitement. You're you are a little bit crazy if you do that, but that's probably somebody I want on my team. This was kind of like a circus game overall. I know Caleb Williams. I talked about Utah's defense and how Caleb uh, they did get to Caleb Williams, but like Caleb Williams runs around and makes insane plays and, like, finds somebody open down the field, avoids the hit, that Utah defense had to have been gassed, even though eventually they did start to get to him. Like, chasing that guy has got to be a headache. When I watch him play, it was a little bit like Mahomes where he's like, extend the play, extend the play, extend the play, and then always able to make something of nothing. Disappointing ending, obviously, for them. That's just unfortunately the way it goes. Uh, the Utah tight end, he was a beast, just absolutely bullies through people to get into the end zone. That was a championship type play instead of the, the weak slide earlier in the game, but he just literally bullies people to get into the end zone. And that was freaking awesome. So the PAC 12 champs was Utah conference USA. So that was played between North Texas and UTSA, which is university of Texas at San Antonio. If you did not know. UTSA was victorious, and it was their second ever Conference USA Championship. North Texas is 0-2 all-time in this Conference Championship game. Rough day for North Texas. Um, And then, actually, 
I was just really curious as I was going through some of these. So I was looking up NFL players at some of these schools, these smaller schools especially that I don't talk about often. Um, And the most relevant player from these schools in the NFL is Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson currently plays for the Dolphins. He's a running back. He went to North Texas. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, UTSA won. Then the SEC championship game, LSU versus Georgia in Atlanta. Kind of like a home game for Georgia. Atlanta is not far from Athens. I bet the under here, and I regret it intensely. Um, Georgia won by a score of 50-30. to 30. Uh, This was the first points of this game kind of led you to believe that it was going to be a wild night. There was zero game awareness by LSU whatsoever when the blocked field goal – so this wasn't an extra point. This was a blocked field goal. And by rule, that's equivalent to a to a punt at that point. It's a kick. And it was blocked. And if it's an extra point, play is dead. But it wasn't. And LSU was treating it like it was, basically start to trot off the field. Georgia player, Georgia guy, heads up play, goes over to the ball, kind of plays like, He's walking off the field, too, and just waits for it, waits for it. Right before it comes to a stop, he picks it up, and he runs it all the way back. 96-yard run, 96-yard run back. It was literally like a kid playing backyard football or like a kid just really unsure. He's hovering over it, and like you can see in his body language, he's kind of like, should I pick this up or no? He obviously made the right decision, ended up um, ended up putting – you know, a touchdown on the board. And this was kind of the turning point in the game when it looked like LSU was going to be the first one to put points on the board, and then they weren't. This kind of was was the dagger where it was like the special team scored. And then I think LSU did follow up with a touchdown after that, but it just, it just killed the momentum a little bit. Brock Bowers, the tight end, is just a god amongst humans. Dude is a beast. Some of these tight ends are, are beastly. I mean, beastly. Like, it's going to be exciting to watch him play pro. And then just some unfortunate things kind of happened at LSU. There was a play where the ball bounced off the one guy's helmet, a helmet doink, and the UGA picks it off. Um, Stetson Bennett, he might be my favorite college, my favorite college football story. Um, and I, I, I honestly think, Y'all NFL scouts are weird for not wanting him. He's faced way more adversity and doubters than probably anyone. And maybe not more than anyone, but like has proven way more than anyone else who these people are doubting. He, people were calling for him to be benched, said he shouldn't be the starter, whatever. Guy led y'all to a national championship. And now has you undefeated SEC champions in the national championship again. He's a, To me, he's a winner. I know he doesn't check all the boxes as far as talent, height, size, whatever. But to me, he's a winner. That's somebody I want on my team. But these people don't listen to me. Anyway, overall, what I could take from this is LSU, they didn't give up. They put up way more points than I had anticipated. On my last episode, yes, I did say that they would put up a goose egg. I did not think they would score at all against this Georgia defense. They actually did, proving that that defense can be vulnerable. Obviously, if 
if you go in with the appropriate game plan. Um, LSU's offense is also better than I had thought. I think maybe just a little bit inconsistent. You see them put up a performance like they did in this game, which is awesome against a great stellar elite defense. And then they had games like the Arkansas game where it was like almost painful to watch them try to move the ball. Um, I bet the under again failed epically. Sorry for doubting you, LSU. Um, my final take on this game is that Stetson Bennett will have a successful NFL career if he's given an opportunity. So some somebody out there, anybody out there, if you're listening to me, give him a shot. I believe in him. Um, Big Ten, the Big Ten. So Michigan wins by a final score of 43 to 22. Uh, fun stat. Not really that fun if you're on the uh, West Division of the Big Ten, but the East Division winner is 8-0 in the championship game since 2014. Um, J.J. McCarthy has looked just absolutely incredible over the last two weeks, going back to Ohio State and then into the Purdue game. He's he's mobile. He's moving around. He's threading the needle with some of these throws, uh, and he's he's only a sophomore, so still lots of play, lots of football to play at Michigan, potentially, probably. Um, so I think there's a pretty bright future for him. I think he's got a, next year will be a big year. Kind of see what happens, but I mean, it could be one of those situations where he ends up. Staying for all four years of eligibility, I don't know if he will be quite NFL caliber ready at the end of next year, which could be good for could be good for Michigan. And then on the other side of the field, uh, Purdue AJ O'Connell is actually a pretty good quarterback, way better than I thought. Um, his two interceptions did suck, kind of the the turning point of the game. Uh, key moments of the game that really kind of affected the outcome. One was in the red zone, which always sucks. It's like you hope at that point to come away with at least three and you throw the ball on the other team and come away with nothing, which, which really those are always hard to come back from. Um, and then the second one was uh, when they were trailing 19 to 28. They were deep in their own zone. And again, not also a terrible spot to throw a pick. There's no good spot to throw a pick, but those are the two worst spots because then that just sets your opponent up right there with great field position. Um, the Purdue fake punt was pretty cool. I always like to see that, especially when it works out. Even when it doesn't, everyone's always like, why the fuck did the coach do that? But then when it works out, like, you, he's, he's the man. So it's always fun to see coaches take risks, especially in this situation, Purdue – absolute underdog is like hey if we're gonna win this game we're gonna have to do some crazy shit and the fake punt was it fake punt worked but didn't come out on top unfortunately at halftime I thought Purdue had a real chance uh my brain was absolutely fucked at the thought of three out of the four top four teams losing um but then Donovan Edwards happened he is very good he kind of took off uh, had some big touchdowns, um, and he's another one. He's only a sophomore, so future is rather bright for that Michigan offense. Um, Purdue was unfortunately unable to execute in the red zone hardly at all. If you keep giving the ball back to Donovan Edwards, one, they were trying to eat clock, and then two, he's just breaking off these huge runs that it's like it's one of those games where Purdue really had to hold on to the ball for a longer period of time if they wanted to win. It, it, they just didn't execute. Um, 
It overall was a was a winnable game for Purdue. They were just unable to get it done in the end zone, unable to put six on the board. You really can't win on field goals and turnovers. At key moments were just absolute daggers. Um, and then I just also have a question for their head coach. Why the fuck were you kicking a field goal with five minutes left when you were down 19 to 36? Real serious question. Sometimes I'm like, these guys know way more about wait know way more about football. That's why they're in the positions that they are. And then I'm also like, no, I think I could do a better job than you. At least at game managing, not game calling and zone defense setting and all that shit. But I wouldn't have kicked a field goal there. Like you needed you needed seven. But anyway. <clears throat> Big 12 championship. This was absolutely outstanding. This was probably my favorite game of the whole weekend. Deuce Vaughn, uh, he had that one play where he literally, like, put his foot into the ground. And I I keep replaying it and watching it. The TCU defender literally doesn't even have – like, it's not even fair. Like, he's not even given a chance. Deuce Vaughn changes direction so quick that's whatever is being processed in that TCU defender's brain to try and shift directions that fast to chase down, like literally just causes the defender to fall over. Like literally Deuce Vaughn looks like he's going left, cuts right so fast that the defender doesn't even like, like completely throws him off balance and the dude just falls over. Hold on, I have to let my dog out. I'm taking a, a hot break here. All right, sorry about that. Had to let let the dog out to take a shit, but I am back now. And I was just talking about Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, that, that was that was that was wild. Like the defender literally couldn't do anything except fall down. And this is a college athlete who just fell down, so still probably a very athletic person. If that was me, would I just die? I mean, I think I would just die if that happened to me. Like, literally, my heart might stop. Good for him. Um, Max Duggan, Dugan is a is a dog, a D-O-G. If I'm an NFL GM, I want this kid so bad. He has yet to declare if he's going to enter the, the draft. <sighs> this guy, he literally laid his life on the line for the team to win. I've, I've never seen a dude so gassed in my whole life. It was it was evident he was just throwing everything he had in his heart and soul out there to win the game. And uh, I know these guys got to check the boxes for talent and height and size and speed and, sh- and all that, but you can't measure or quantify what he did for that team on, well, two Saturdays ago. That was absolutely outstanding. Um... I really like Sonny Dykes, their coach, but that that play call on the one-yard line in overtime was just terrible. Why are you handing it off? Either go under center wildcat with a fullback or give it to that quarterback that was literally just like giving his heart and soul to, to, to win the game. Um, I, I actually did believe that first goal line play that they ran on third down in overtime was a touchdown. They just 
unfortunately called it on the field as not, and then there just wasn't enough video evidence to to overturn it. So that kind of sucks. I like going for it. I do like going for it. Not crazy about the play call, but oh well. Um, TCU is a force to be reckoned with. I do think they're good. I know they lost this game, but Kansas State is, is a better team than I think people realize. They're only three-point underdogs to Alabama. So, like, Kansas State isn't, isn't bad. Uh, and Alabama is who Kansas State is playing in their bowl game. Michigan should definitely feel, feel scared. Um, TCU got a taste of what it was like to lose. So TCU had been undefeated until then. They tasted a loss, uh, and usually this podcast knows more than anything that makes them dogs feel a little bit more hungry to come back. So look out, Michigan. I'm not saying put money on TCU, but I think they're definitely going to give TCU, uh, Michigan a good run. Um, moving along, ACC championship game, DJ Ugalandale is, is dead. I mean, dead in the transfer portal. Cade Klubnik is him at Clemson University. The way DJ came out playing that game, he couldn't hit an elephant if if the elephant was wide open. And then Cade comes in against this. And, and let me also preface this by saying, UNC does not have a good defense. Like their defense statistically has not been good this year. DJ was making... Okay, choices, his throws were just god-awful. Like, there was one point a guy was running, like, an out route, and it's man-to-man coverage. He's got two steps on him. All DJ has to do is, like, essentially just lob the ball to the outside part of the field so his guy can catch it, and he just completely whiffs it into the sidelines. I, I mean, it was bad. DJ is dead. Clemson is moving on. Uh, Cade Klubnik, young guy. This was the right opportunity, although I it, I do question why he wasn't given his chance sooner. I think Dabo had came out and said that they tried to use him in the Notre Dame game and he threw a pick. I think they should have kept him in. That was a tough situation to be in after DJ kind of got them into a hole. Um, and I'm talking about the Notre Dame game. You know, they had been in a hole. They put Klubnik in. Tough situation for a young guy to come into. Wasn't Dabo really wasn't doing any doing him any favors there by putting him in that game. But he comes in the ACC championship game on what a third drive, fourth drive maybe, and just light it up, lights it up. He was the ACC championship game MVP. It is now Cade Klubnik era in Clemson. Oh, this is going to be a bold take. Bold take. Hate me if you want. They will be back in the college football playoff next year. Mark my words. DJ will go down. At, the DJ era will go down as uh, the two two of the worst years in the last decade of Clemson football and two of the worst years in the Dabo Sweetie era. Okay? Cade Klubnik is him. Clemson will be back. This is, this is fucking bold. I don't know if I've ever made a take this bold in my life, but Clemson will be back. They will be in the playoff. Can you, can you do future future bets for next year? I'm going to find out. Clemson will be in. Um, on the flip side of the ball, Drake May arguably throws one of the worst interceptions I've seen in college football ever. Uh, it just – and, like, this – it's not even, like, the teams were wearing similar colors – 
Clemson's in bright orange. UNC wears blue and, like, just completely throws it to Nate Wiggins, who easily just runs it back for a pick six. Like, um, Clemson finally had their first 100-yard receiver of the season. I thought that was wild. I think a lot of people want to talk shit on these Clemson receivers, but I think it's hard to be successful in a system with a shitty quarterback. I think it's more of a reflection on DJ. I think there are some of the I think some of the Clemson receivers have entered the transfer portal, but that's okay. I think if you're going to rely on Klubnik to be the guy next year, you kind of want those young fresh guys coming in anyway. Let let Cade kind of get his rhythm with some new guys instead of guys that are used to something else. Um, so that if you're a Clemson fan, you shouldn't be too worried about that. Um and Clemson overall over the last 10 years is this this has got to be the most dominance we've seen in a single conference, right? I would say Alabama, but they've lost they've lost SEC championships, right? They lost I guess they've only lost what two that I can think of off the top of my head. So, we'll say Alabama in the SEC dominance in the SEC cuz they've lost this year, and they lost in 2019 to LSU. And then Clemson, I mean, they lost, they didn't play in the ACC championship game last year. But other than that, they've just, it's just been absolute dominance going back to like what, 2014, 2015? I don't have the exact date. I did also read that Drake May is uh, entering the transfer portal. I don't have any other information on that. Kind of lame. I guess he thinks he can go play it. Maybe a, football school instead of a basketball school. You don't know. He was he was overhyped to me. Uh, anyway, ACC championship game was fun. Clemson will be back. Mark my words. Um, American Athletic Conference Championship, Tulane beats UCF 45-28. to Tulane is good. That's all I got there. Sun Belt Championship was played at Troy. Uh, Coastal Carolina 26, Troy 45. So this conference was actually founded in 1975, but the championship game has only been played since 2018. This was the first ever Sunbelt championship game since it started in 2018 that was not won by the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, the only, there was only one current Troy player in the NFL. That was Mario Addison. He's a defensive end for the Houston Texans. Um, Coastal Carolina has five players in the, in the NFL most notably, Isaiah Likely, who's the who's a tight end for the Ravens, plays second in the depth chart behind Mark Andrews. So Troy was victorious there. Sun Belt Championship. First one ever not won by the Raging Cajuns. MAC Championship. Toledo was victorious over Ohio by a score of 17 to 7. This win puts Toledo in sole place of Sole possession of third place all-time in MAC championships with seven. Northern Illinois and Marshall. No, that was not a good statistic for you. The win puts Toledo in sole position, sole possession of third place all-time in MAC championships. I think they have seven appearances. I don't know how many they've won. Um, but Northern Illinois and Marshall are tied for first with championships. Uh, with five. 
Mountain West championship game was played between Fresno State and Boise State, and this will wrap up the conference championship chat today. Uh, this win for Fresno State actually ties. This win puts them in first in a tie for first place with I'm not sure who with Mountain West Championship since the championship game era began in 2013. Um, this is this is the conference that uh, University of Wyoming is in. This is relevant because this is where Josh Allen went. Um, and Wyoming actually only has one appearance in the Mountain West Championship game, and that was in 2016 with Josh Allen as their quarterback. They did not win. However, it was San Diego State that won 27 to 24. But Josh Allen is balling in the NFL. May win a Super Bowl. I hope he wins a Super Bowl. I really like that guy, um, which, in my opinion, is better than a Mountain West championship. I also don't want him to win a Super Bowl if it's over the Eagles. I want the Eagles. I want Jalen Hurts to win a Super Bowl more than I want Josh Allen to win a Super Bowl. Anyway, this brings me to the next segment of this podcast today. We are going bowling, baby. You hear Harper? She's big mad about something probably because I'm recording and not giving her attention. Harp. Harp, come. Harper, come. Here she comes. She's going to sit with me now. Harper, up. Harper, up. So I just want to kick this segment off by saying that bowl season is arguably one of the most underrated times of the year. Beginning Friday, so that's this Friday the 16th, uh, there is some, pretty much some college football bowl game on every day, I think except like Christmas Day through the new year. Uh, I do also want to point out most of these games are just are just absolutely meaningless. Like, who cares who wins, I don't know, the Bahamas Bowl, like, who cares? I don't even know who the teams are. Like, who cares who wins means nothing. Literally zero implications. But if you're telling me on Friday while I'm at work, I can put on my third monitor, a, a football game, I am all for it. I am 100% all for it. And then it just gets better and better. Saturday has some good games. I mean, the first one on Friday is the Bahamas Bowl. So Friday at 11.30, you know what I'll be watching. And then later that day, it's UTSA and Troy in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl played in Exploria Stadium in Orlando, Florida. So last Saturday was one of the saddest Saturdays that I've had in a while, mostly because there wasn't really any college football at all, just Army-Navy game, which go Navy, even though you lost, still supports you. Great game, by the way. Great atmosphere. I absolutely love the Army-Navy game and all the traditions and the rituals. It is so American and beautiful. I love it. But I was sad because it was like, oh, my God, like football. This is the beginning of the end of football. And football season is the best. I'm going to have to find ways to occupy my weekends instead of watching football. I'm going to have to force myself to maybe watch some basketball, maybe a little bit of hockey, even though the Flyers suck. But anyway, last Saturday was sad, but it's about to get really freaking good starting Friday. Um, there's six bowl games upcoming this Saturday, the 17th. 
some to point out are Florida versus Oregon State. So Oregon State is actually 10-point favorites. But Florida has shown flashes of, like, really, really good football this year. It's just inconsistent. So I know Oregon State is 10-point favorites, but I actually think it's going to be a lot closer than that. Um, There's a bunch of other really weird and fun games. Like I said, irrelevant, doesn't really mean anything. They're just fun to, like, when you're watching, you're like, I know absolutely nothing about these teams but I'm going to bet the over because I want them to score just a fuck ton of points. I unfortunately will not be in Pennsylvania, so I can't. Well, I won't be this week. I will be after Christmas. So I'll be able to bet on some of these, but I will not be there able to bet uh, this weekend. And then next Monday at 2.30, so 2.30 in the afternoon, most of us will be working like, you can just put on your extra monitor if you have a football game. 2.30, you've got Marshall and UConn, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I, I literally, I, I don't give a shit about this game. Like, I truly don't give a shit. I don't care who wins. I'm just so excited to watch football on a Monday afternoon. Like, I'm so excited. Um, One that I want to point out, probably won't be talked about a lot, but I think it's could be a, a unique matchup is uh, Friday, the 23rd of December, Wake Forest versus Missouri in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. That's played at the at Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. Wake is one-point favorites. Both teams have had periods where they've looked really, really hot and had really good moments. At one point this year, it looked like Missouri had a chance to beat Georgia, which was absolutely baffling. Um, and then Wake was ranked for a while. Wake gave Clemson a run for their money. Uh, probably the only ACC team to look like they had a shot to beat Clemson. So it was just two, like, very average teams with great moments set up to play against one another. Um, I'm just – and, like like I said, zero implications. This means nothing to me. I truly don't give a shit who wins. I'm just excited to see, like, sort of a good matchup. Um, the 27th, that's Tuesday. There's Wisconsin. I think this is a late one. Um, that's Wisconsin versus Oklahoma state at Chase field in Phoenix, Arizona. I did not write down what bowl game this is. Um, but this will be fun because, uh, Oklahoma state's quarterback, Spencer Sanders is in the transfer portal, which means he probably won't dress or play. Um, so that means they're going to have to rely on their one of their freshman quarterbacks. This, to me, always makes it fun because it's like, all right, let the young guy in there, let him sling, let him throw the ball around, bowl game against a Big Ten team that they probably wouldn't play otherwise. Like, let the kid get in there and, and show you what he can do. Um, what else? Wednesday, Wednesday, there's some good ones. There's Kansas and Arkansas. I predict that to be a pretty low-scoring game. Go the under there. Oregon and UNC. This is fun. It's played at Peco Park in San Diego, which is a baseball stadium. Oregon is 14-point favorites here. I'm actually taking UNC on the points. I know UNC kind of looked silly to close out the regular season, but I think 14 points is a lot. For an Oregon team that's kind of shown just to be a little bit above average. Um, Texas Tech and Ole Miss, that could be a good one. 
Notre Dame in South Carolina, I think could be great. Notre Dame is actually um, favorited to win by two points. When I'm home, I think I'm going to bet South Carolina. I know when my girlfriend hears this, she's going to want to slit my throat, but I do think Carolina could could beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's the favorite. So let's 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 bet the house uh, money line money line on South Carolina. I don't know. Um, also on that date, weirdly enough, I just talked about taking Carolina and then Tennessee and Clemson are playing, um, in Miami and people are calling this the loss to South Carolina bowl because both Tennessee and Clemson lost to South Carolina and essentially had their seasons kind of demolished. Yeah. And kind of ruined, ruined the season at that point. Anyway, it's the loss of South Carolina Bowl. Um, Clemson is six and a half point favorites. I'm hoping this is the one episode she don't listen to because she may never listen again. And I'm referring to my girlfriend, but I would take Tennessee on the points here. I'm taking Tennessee points here. Even if I'm not successful in predicting that, I think it's going to be an awesome game. An awesome game. I do think, I actually do think Clemson is the better team here. It'll really just come to come down to how their defense plays. Uh, I think Klubnik is just going to run all over the Tennessee, so it's going to be up to the Tennessee offense to to go toe toe for toe with them. And then on on New Year's Eve, I have no New Year's Eve plans, and after looking at this slate of games, probably not <clears throat> going to make any plans. Uh, Kansas State and Alabama, the Sugar Bowl. I'm I'm feeling like I should bet the house on K-State. I know that's a bad idea to bet against Alabama, but, like, this is one of those, like, there's certain bets that when you look at them, your heart hums a little bit. This is one of them. Um, these are also, you know, obviously the college football playoff games are played on this day. Mainstream media is going to go on and on about these, so I'm not going to talk too much about them because I'm here for the fun bowls that we get to watch over the next two weeks, even though they're meaningless. Uh, I just I do hope University of Georgia UGA stomps Ohio State. I hope TCU gives Michigan a run. TCU and Georgia would be my ideal natty. I think it's gonna end up being Georgia Michigan, but we'll see. And then it doesn't stop there. January second, you got the Cotton Bowl, Tulane and USC. Like, let's fucking go Tulane. I love that. And they got into a New Year's Six Bowl. You've got the Citrus Bowl, LSU versus Purdue at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Um, I have an issue with this. So if Ohio State doesn't get into the playoff, this uh, Ohio State would have taken the Rose Bowl, right? Which would have bumped Penn State to the Citrus Bowl against LSU. My sister and my brother-in-law went to LSU. So if Penn State gets into the Citrus Bowl instead of the I'm I'm grateful I'm grateful for the Rose Bowl. Don't get me wrong. It's it's really it's really cool. I actually think Penn State Utah matchup is is awesome and I haven't felt like this excited about a bowl game in a long time. So really excited for that. But Penn State versus LSU in Orlando, 
So it's not just those two teams playing, right? Which would have been a feud between the family. Me and my youngest sister went to Penn State. My middle sister went to LSU, met met my now brother-in-law there. So it would have been family affair, right? It's in Orlando, Florida. We also have a mother who is obsessed with Disney World. Not just like a little bit, like obsessed with Disney World. Who like, if this would have actually happened, I have zero doubt in my mind she would have booked a trip for everyone to go to Disney World. So essentially what would have happened is I would have been able to go to a Penn State versus LSU football game, which may, which I may never see in my lifetime. And I would get to go to Disney World. Literally the trip of my dreams, the trip of my dreams. If, if you were to ask somebody right now, what my two favorite things in the world are outside of human, outside of the people in my life, it would be football and Disney, right? So I could have gone on a trip to Disney World with my family to see Penn State play LSU in the Citrus Bowl, but instead USC decided they were going to lose and let Ohio State into the playoff and jipped me out of a football Disney World trip. So screw you, USC, because that sucks. And, And like LSU versus Purdue is not even exciting at all. LSU will probably just just stomp, stomp, stomp all over them. Maybe not, but probably. And then Penn State gets the Rose Bowl, which is exciting. I am very grateful. This is this is a really, really great game for Penn State to get in, and I would not have predicted this. I know they get in because the better two teams in the Big Ten got into the playoff, whatever. But... This honestly is on paper, other than the playoff, looks to be the the best bowl game, like the best matchup. Maybe Kansas State, Bama, or Tennessee, Clemson. You could argue those are better matchups too. Um, But there hasn't been a lot of transfer, transfer portal guys on either side or NFL declaring guys. There's two like pretty significant ones on each. Oh, shit. Wait. I've got Monday Night Football on. Kyler Murray is like down, like like good down, not good, not good down. Like it's not good, but like this looks looks painful. Wait, they're showing the replay. This is the first drive of the game. Let's see. Oh, and it was non. Oh, non contact. Yikes! Yeah, it looks like he's trying to switch directions. Puts his foot in the ground, then just goes. To, oh, yikes! That could be ugly. Trace McSorley time? Trace McSorley? Uh, anyway, prayers up for Kyler. I, ho- I hope he's all right. That sucks. Um, And then, so let's talk about NFL declaring guys, Joey Porter Jr. and Parker Washington for Penn State. So a good corner and a, and a, and a pretty good wide receiver. And then Utah also had a few, a corner Clark Phillips III, and then their tight end Dalton Kincaid also declare for the NFL. So they, they probably won't play, but for the most part, like these team, these guys, you know, these teams have their guys. I think it's going to be a a really, really good game. Bowl season. Today's Monday. When you listen to this, it's Tuesday. We've got three days, three days to go till we get to bowl season. Let's fucking go. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. All right. That wraps up bowling. Let's go bowling. Uh, Moving along. We're going to, uh, I'm going to talk uh, sad girl hours. 
All right, sad girl hours. So this week's sad girl hours pains me to say it, except like literally not at all, is Alabama. And here's why. So this is actually, this year is only the second time since the college football playoff began in uh, the 2014-2015 season that Alabama hasn't been in the playoff. The only other time was that dominant LSU season in 2019 where, yeah, LSU was just insane. Nobody was going to beat them. Uh, And it's just, the whole thing is entertaining to me. I kind of understand what, what some of them are saying, but... It's just fun to see Alabama fans cry because they haven't in a long time. Um, so Saban basically said if, you know, these teams were to play against Alabama today, who would be the favorite? A guy that's talked so much shit on Vegas and betting and the odds, whatever, is now, like, pointing towards, like, hey, who would Vegas predict to be the winner? Which is just kind of ironic and funny. Like I said, I do get what he's saying I don't know if Alabama would be favorited against Georgia, but they probably, they definitely would be favorited against Ohio State and TCU. Michigan would be interesting. Um, and like Ohio, so they went on the road and lost to two uh, SEC teams, top ranked matchups, lost by less than four points combined. Like, I get it. And then that's, you know, comparing that to Ellis or to Ohio State's loss where they got absolutely stomped. Um, so I get it. But it's just funny to see them all sad and Nick Saban crying. Um, here, here's some of the fun stuff that the internet has to offer about what, what they're saying about this, about Alabama not getting in. It offends every fiber of my core that a team could completely no-show in its final game, sit on its ass during championship weekend, and be rewarded with a playoff spot. (laughs) Here's another one from an Alabama fan. Another tweet. Alabama is winning the national title next year. Enjoy your feelings picks for the playoffs. Okay. And then, so they were talking all this shit, how they'd be a favorite against Georgia. And then the bowl game schedule comes out and the spreads and whatever. And someone just kind of throws back on Twitter. Love how everyone thinks Alabama would be a favorite against everyone in the playoff aside from Georgia. They are only a field goal favorite against Kansas State LMAO, which is which is funny. Like you're, they're acting like they're these big tough guys and they're only... Field goal, field goal favorites to Kansas State. Like, so how good are you actually? And like Saban, you said Vegas, you said you'd be the favorite against these teams, but you're only a three-point favorite to Kansas State. So why would you be any greater favorite against a TCU or a Michigan? You wouldn't. Sad girl hours, Alabama. I don't even care that you're sad. Cry, 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 boo-hoo. Oh, Mac Jones has the ball. Yep. What we like to see. I uh, I started Mac Jones over Deshaun Watson this week in fantasy. I'm actually watching this on the Manning cast. I never do that. I didn't mean to, actually, to be honest. Um, all right. I'm going to close out today's show with fantasy studs. I am really bad at this, so don't. 
I mean, you can base uh, who you start in your fantasy leagues off of what I tell you, but please, like, don't listen to me. I think I've, I have, like, a less than 5% success rate. Um, first, before I get into my week 15 predictions, I just want to compare my week 14 predictions against what actually happened. Again, this does not include Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football is on right now. But what we're looking at here... Uh, so week 14 for quarterbacks, I predicted top three would be Tua versus the Chargers, Jalen Hurts versus the Giants, and Dak Prescott versus the Texans. Uh, ended up being Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, and Jared Goff. So I was 0 for 3 there. By the way, Dak Prescott sucks. And all these Cowboy fans act in hype because they – one on the final two minutes against the Houston Texans, you're weird. You are weird, okay? That stadium was so hype when they came back and won that game. If that happens in Philadelphia, like even if they win, we're still booing them because that is a terrible, that's like, that's terrible. Like to be in that position on at home against the worst team in football. Anyway, the point of this isn't to rant about how weak the Cowboys are. Although any opportunity I get to do that, I am going to. Um, my running back predictions for week 14 was Josh Jacobs at the Rams, Derek Henry versus the Jaguars, Tony Pollard versus the Texans. Um, I was wrong. It was Jarek McKinnon for the Chiefs, McCaffrey. Yeah, he's really good. And then Miles Sanders had a day, like, 100-plus uh, get rush yards, two touchdowns. Love it. Oh, Mac Jones just almost threw a ball to himself. That was not a great start for either team. Anyway, um, wide receiver predictions. Justin Jefferson, I predicted. Tyreek Hill against the Chargers. Devontae Adams versus the Rams. Justin Jefferson was number one. I was right about that. He had like 200-plus yards, 11 receptions, was a freaking beast. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase looked like he might be back. Had a great day. And Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Finally put some numbers. I mean, the Broncos offense in general put some numbers up. Uh, best numbers we've seen all season. Put up a pretty good fight against the Chiefs. Um, Tight end, I predicted Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was number one, baby. So I think when I made this pick, I had no idea why. I was just like, feels, vibes. This is what I'm thinking. Whatever. Um, and that was right. Uh, he was the number one tight end. David Njoku was number two. Uh, Chiozum Akonkwa. <laughs> Versus Jacksonville, uh, place for the Titans. He was number three. Um, my predictions for defense special teams were Cowboys versus Houston. That seemed pretty straightforward because supposedly, supposedly the Dallas Cow Frauds have this insane defense that teams can't seem to score against. Unless you're the Houston Texans, it can put up 24 points. The Bills, uh, I thought... The Jets' offense really stood no chance against the Bills. And then the Steelers versus the Ravens. Ravens didn't have Lamar. Ravens don't really have a whole lot going for them other than Lamar, except J.K. Dobbins, apparently now. Mm. Um, and then actual was Kansas City versus Denver. 
which was weird because they still gave up 28 points, but I guess they had that pick six. Buffalo, I was right about that. And then Jacksonville. Jacksonville was number three. Um, I got three pick, picks right. So out of the, how many do I guess? I guess three for a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. So I picked 15 players total, and I got three right. That's actually not bad. That's a 20% success rate. I, I, I will take that. I will take that. Uh, update on my fi- fantasy teams, because I know you guys are also so uh, curious. Cheesesteak Gang in the Ocean City League, I get a first-round bye. I'm actually losing this week. It looks like I'm going to take the L, but I had already... I already had built like a two-game lead against the next closest team pretty much. Or not the next closest, but the third-place team. So even if that team won, I would still get the first round by, which is good and bad. I'm not going to talk too much about that. And then Blood, Sweat, and Beers. I can't confirm yet, but it is looking like I'm likely going to be in the playoffs. I need Mac Jones to just have a, a really mediocre night, and I should be hopefully okay. Uh, week fi- 15 predictions. So quarterback Patrick Mahomes, they're playing the Texans this time. I usually go heavy on the teams that are going against the Texans just because the Texans are so bad. That bit me in the ass last week. But the Kansas City Chiefs are not the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are frauds. Frauds, they suck. Their mentality sucks. Like Even if this was like a weird fluke where it was like they just didn't prepare appropriately and – and and law and Houston played them tough. Like you're frauds because every single matchup you go to in the NFL, you need to prepare for. Like I don't care. I don't care who you're playing. Dallas Cowboys are frauds. Joe Burrow versus Tampa Bay. I know Tampa has that tough-ish, tough-ish defense, but I think Joe Burrow is kind of hitting a stride right now. And then Kirk Cousins versus Indy. He's got to get back on track. He actually didn't play bad. He played great. His stat line was insane. But I just think Minnesota as a whole is going to want to get back on track. Running back, J.K. Dobbins. They're playing the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns have a awful run defense. Jonathan Taylor versus Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota's defense is good at all. And then Austin Eckler versus Tennessee. Um, Tennessee hasn't been good. Austin Eckler's been lighting teams up. Not even lighting them up. He just he just catches so many balls that it's like, no matter what, he's going to put up crazy numbers. Uh, wide receivers, um, thinking Justin Jefferson again. They're playing Indy. Not really a good team. Gabe Davis. I'm going strong on Gabe Davis. They're playing the Dolphins. I want another one of those wild shootouts, and I want – Gabe to get streaky and like break off on those Tyreek Hill type plays that we all hoped we would see this year. So let's go, Gabe. And then if Joe Burrow's going to get hot, Jamar Chase is going to get hot. So I think Jamar is number three. Tight ends, low hanging fruit, Travis Kelsey. They're playing Houston. They're going to prepare. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are probably just going to stomp all over the Texans and prepare appropriately because Andy Reid is their coach and they're a well-run organization, unlike the Dallas Cowfrauds. Tyler Conklin versus Detroit. I just don't think Detroit has a good defense. Oh, sack. Um, 
Yeah, Colt McCoy is in at quarterback now. Kyler Murray, I can't hear what anyone's saying because I have the volume down, but I imagine he's probably not going to be back. That did not look good. Um, and then TJ Hawkinson versus Indy would be my last tight end. Defense special teams, Kansas City. Again, playing Houston. It's easy to go heavy there. The Eagles, um, they're playing the Browns. Uh, not the Browns. They're playing the Bears. People are, like, high on the Bears right now because of Justin Fields. Justin Fields can run, but he's not good. Um, So I, I don't think... I don't think Chicago does anything with the ball against the Eagles. Maybe they will. And then 49ers versus Seahawks. Both teams are kind of trending in opposite directions. And the, the really the full steam force is led by the, the defense of the 49ers. So that's my fantasy studs for week 15. I cannot believe we're at week 15 already. There's four more regular season games left. Fantasy playoffs are here. Fantasy playoffs are here. Like this is this is go time. It's go time. Um, so good luck to all your teams out there. Unless you're playing me, uh, then I hope you fail miserably. But good luck, everybody. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening today. Again, my name is Coley Rudd. I'm here with my dog Harper. Appreciate you tuning in. Have a great week. Glad you're here. <laughs>